Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Last year, I rode the most kilometres I've ridden in more than a decade, and a fair portion of it was in the garage on Zwift. Mainly because it's fun, the bonus was I got fitter in the process. Zwift had me connected with friends from all over the world who I hadn't ridden with for ages. Friends from Dubai, London, Wellington, Perth, Sydney, even friends in Melbourne, all on the same ride. It also got my competitive spirit going, so I made the most of the structured workouts in an effort to get the better of my mates on our weekly meetups. The biggest debate often been where to ride. My favourite's the Champs-Élysées, dreaming about winning the final stage of the tour, the Watopia Mountain Loop, I love the one up to the radio tower, and the RGV course in France, simply because it feels really fast. And I'm enjoying exploring the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central uh, podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Hello, good morning. I am pretty good. Uh, what a TT. TTs, they've gone from being the most boring stage on the planet to the most exciting. Do you know why? For me, at least. Because we've got Pogacar. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, they are. I actually really love watching them. I used to think they were so boring. As an athlete, I used to hate them, despise them, because they were so painful. But now they are, I mean, TV and the way now they can shoot them in live TV with multiple cameras. You know, you've got multiple riders out on course. And we're blessed, aren't we? We talk about Pogacar, but... Really, there's a list of TT yeah, we'll, specialists. We'll unpack of what oh, we have in there. It but, was great. Uh, it was actually a great spectacle because I must admit I was thinking yesterday, mm, I might actually skip that one and watch the highlights. I was wondering. <laughs> I was. I was. My phone. Oh, there was radio silence on my phone <laughs> in my room. Normally, we're we're you know um, trading messages, and I thought, oh no, he's. It's funny because I actually thought you would pass on this one as well, so <laughs> no. that's why I didn't message you. Anyway, <laughs> you old trade secrets here. Yeah, old trade secrets. <laughs> hey, hey, and uh, sorry, I've just got a bone to pick with you, pal. Yeah. Yes, go on. My name is not Dave McChicken. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Dave McChicken. I, mate, that is, that is, yeah, that is bloody very cheeky. And I saw you couch Peloton. <laughs> you couch Peloton, if you know what I'm talking about, just watch your back, all right? You here <laughs> next to me and you couch Peloton, watch your back, all right? If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go, go back to our Twitter and uh, there was a quick discussion about Dave uh, McChicken. It's it was quite funny. funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dave McChicken, what we... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this uh, this time trial that we saw yesterday. First time trial of the Tour de France. There is another time trial, a scary one. It's a longer it's a longer one uh, at the back of the Tour de France. Uh, but we had a strong indication yesterday of who is in shape, and guess who is in shape? The Pog is in shape. The defending champion. In in a lot of ways, it's not surprising, is it? In a lot of ways, it is not surprising. The defending champion. I guess the only little surprise is that he was not a hot favourite for the TT. So we all underestimated how good he is as a, as a whole athlete. And, and you know, we, we, I, think, I think every expert presumed the POG will be front group every time on every mountain, you know, moving forward. But to beat real specialists like Stefan Kung, Wout van Aert, Jonas Vingard... As Green. As Green, yeah, all those guys that are not GC riders and you know absolutely emptying the tank and he puts you know 
19 seconds into Kung, 27 into Vingard, 30 into Van Aert. I mean, wow. Yes. Just wow. It's funny because uh, we, we had Van Aert as the arch favorite for this, uh, for this, for this time trial. And uh, the guys in the commentary yesterday said something really interesting. And I think it's actually Bridie that said this. But when you look at Van Aert, uh, you just look at Van Aert, you know he's emptying the tank. But you, you watch him, you know he's emptying the tank. Yeah. You watch Pogacar on a time trial he's emptying the tank he's at the max but it doesn't look like it he's got such a poker face and the second he crosses the line like we, the camera was on him as he crossed the line he just had a soft drink and yeah then 20 <laughs> seconds later he's smiling <laughs> yeah. he's smiling like it, he's, he's you know we can't we can't overstate what we're watching here with and, this and young you, kid. you made a very good point I'd like you to make it again about being one in a hundred years yeah so I mean he's the second youngest winner of the Tour de France. Ever. Ever, right? Since 1903. Think, yeah, so the youngest was in the second edition. Yeah, 1904. Yeah, it was the youngest. Of, uh, the name escapes me, but I've gone back. And we're and, talking months. Yeah, we're not yeah, talking years, we're talking months in, yeah, in between right. them. So he's the second youngest. We are looking at an athlete that is one in 100 years of any sport. You know, Tiger Woods, Michael Schumacher. Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna, the best. But he's so young. He doesn't look incredible on the bike to he me. He could walk down the street, down Pitt Street in Sydney. No one would know who he is. Yeah. And and from all accounts, he will talk to anyone. He has got his feet firmly on the ground. He's very polite. This kid is... I, I love him. I, I really do. I just think he's uh, he's a he's a breath of fresh air to cycling. And not that we necessarily needed it. We've got I think we've got some great young athletes, both men and women and women. Um, very, very professional and respectful and all those things. But, wow, we are looking at something special here. And I think if we just extrapolate on this, we are looking at a special era in cycling. When, yeah. when we, like, we need to realise that you know, in tennis, they had the, the Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. This is the era we are on. But we can replicate this in cycling. We've got the Pogacar and Roglic, which are incredibly from the same country. Yeah. Uh, Slovenia giving us two of the biggest champions of the time. But you get, of course, the Alaphilippe. You get all the others. Bernal. Bernal. Yeah. Uh, and, and the up and coming, the, the Theo Gagnart, the Carapaz. Uh, it's a great era. Look, the, the era is just incredible. There's yeah. not one guy necessarily dominating everything, although Pogacar is currently dominating the tour. Yeah. But as an era, it's yeah. shaping up to be the, ne the next four or five years. Need they're shaping up to be incredible. Yeah, and I don't think anyone could have foreseen this. You know, three, four years ago, probably just pre-Bernal winning the tour, I don't think anyone, you know, could have seen this coming. And, you know, we're all, let's be honest, let's say it because I think it's just a human nature. It's not that we dislike him. Um, we were sort of getting sick of Chris Froome winning so much. All the time. All the time. And the guy, you know, the guy is an absolute gentleman. Chris Froome is so professional and... A very nice guy, but when someone wins so so convincingly all the time, you're sort of like, oh, we, we you know, and you you sort of go, well, for the sport we need another winner, and then boy, yeah. <laughs> now we've got four or five. Up. There's basically basically four or five Chris Frums yeah, in the yeah. pack. So it's, I mean, watch out because this could be the, one of the best era for cycling, uh, and we are just at the beginning of it. Yeah, uh, let's go back to the, the time trial itself. Pogacar did super well. It's uh, climbing up the ladder at the, uh, the, the the GC, the general classification, very high. He's second now, second to the man Matthew Van der Poel kept yellow we always knew it was possible you actually picked him in I, a, I know uh, in the in the tipping competition it was, it was a it was a risky move because 
he said he talked down his chances. He said he's barely been on his TT bike, but he is Matthew Vanderpol. He is in the yellow jersey and he is in great form. So I just thought, at the worst, he's still he'll still produce a good time. So he was fifth on the stage, 31 seconds behind the Pog and one second off his arch rival, if you like, Wout Van Aert. They're like a mirror of each other, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. On dirt bikes, on yeah. mountain bikes, on cyclocross, and now on the road. Uh, and that, that battle goes on since they were six or seven years old. It's incredible. <laughs> it is quite incredible. But um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could argue himself and, of course, Pogacar were rides of the day. Yeah, I absolutely. Think, uh, of everyone there. Um, but you can't, you can't pick anyone else than Pogacar for rider of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we look again in, uh, in the vicinity of the top of, uh, of this time trial, uh, Richie has done very well uh, considering the opposition that he had on. And, and in fact, for his team as well, for Ineos, he's done very well. Yeah, yeah. He's, Richie's done a brilliant ride. But we know he likes the time trial. He's yeah. not bad at the time trial. Yeah, he's yeah. Quite good. You can argue that time trialing is he's especially more than climbing, um, but, he, but he can do both very well. That's what makes Richie a good, a great GC rider as well. So ninth on the stage, um, 55 seconds off Pogacar. So look, you take you take Pogacar out of the mix just for a second. He, he's head and shoulders above. We know that. The next general classification rider really was Primoz Roglic in seventh at 44 seconds. So Richie was 10 seconds off. Uh, yeah. Sorry, 11 seconds off Roglic. Roglic. So he was, that was a brilliant ride by Richie. He's in great form. Look, it, it doesn't show much in the general classman as yet. I think he's still sort of mid-20s because he's actually lost time to Pogacar, who, who ultimately, you know, he's, you'd imagine all things considered equal, he will go into yellow in the next few days. Yeah, but cards will be reshuffled in the next few days. Yeah, this the first the mountain thing. stage, you will see all the non-GC guys drop out. It's a bit like in, in Formula One when some of the drivers have been in a pit and changed the tyres and some haven't. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they, that's There's right. a virtual uh, ranking and then yeah. there's a real ranking. A real <laughs> ranking, that's right. Yeah, so, no, he was great. He was great. And um, look, there's a, there's, there's another rider and there's a few to just Please sort of, mention Alaphilippe. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. He was 14th <laughs> on the stage. We expected more from him. That's actually probably a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, he too was only 20... Six seconds, I think, off Roglic. Uh, Roglic, and Robbie made a very good point. We expect so much, so much uh, on a time trial now from Alaphilippe because of the performance he's done in Po in 2019 yeah. or 18. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that time trial in Po, like Robbie mentioned in the coverage yesterday, could not have been better suited for him. The time trial yesterday was not suited for Alaphilippe, and he still finishes only 26 seconds off Roglic. Yeah. Yeah, he was no, he he was great, and um, the thing, the problem was, he was on the road, of course, when um, Pogacar was. The camera kept going from Pogacar to him, yeah, and you could actually see the difference in the speed, or I could, you know. So you're watching Alaphilippe thinking, oh, he's going bad, he's going bad, but then when the clock stops, he actually produced a pretty good time, and you know he. He did a lazy 49.1 kilometres an hour average. Yeah. <laughs> Why shaking his good. leg? Why shaking his leg? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, a couple of other notables. Rigoberto Uran. He was Fly one spot ahead of Alaphilippe. Flying under the radar, Uran. He is... This guy is on form. Yeah, remember, Uran finished second at the Tour before. Yeah. So he knows how to ride a complete Tour de France with a place on the podium. And of the four victories of Chris Froome... 
he was the closest. Yep. He got the closest to Froome. He pushed Froome. Remember that TT uh, to Marseille? Totally. He absolutely. I remember had because Bard, nervous. Bardet claimed to his uh, hang on to his first spot by one second. Yes, I remember yes. That he almost crashed into the um, into the first row of the Correct. stadium. And our, and our good friend uh, Mike Tomorais broke his ankle that day. Yes, <laughs> he did. Jump the fence. Yeah, <laughs> he, I mean that was it was a it was a you know I'm still not convinced. I think Tomo was it was it was a football it was a football injury. <laughs> he was limping pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good memory. I remember that. Um, so yeah, there was. I think they're the other notables. And, and look, even Garrett Thomas. I think we've got to give a special mention. Uh, given his shoulder out. Given the circumstances. Yeah, one eighteen off the stage winner, in sixteenth place, just a couple of spots behind Rigoberto and. Julian Alaphilippe. So Thomas is not out of this. Yeah, he will get better each day. He will get better. He he'll recover slowly but surely. Any shockers in this? Um, I don't think there was any. Richard thing. Carapaz. Well, was we 23rd. knew we knew that Carapaz is not is not a time trialist. No, he doesn't he, like them. But he did lose one forty four. He lost one forty four to the pole. Yeah, okay. So that's Richard. Carapaz. That's going to be hard to claim back in the mountain. Yeah, that means a serious attack. Vilko Calderman. Like really, he's a more of a specialist of a time trialist and a climber. One forty nine off the pace. Um, Harry Sweeney, just another mention. One fifty three, the young Australian. So that was a great ride. And I know when we weren't talking this guy up, Jakob Fulsang lost one fifty two. So guys like that that maybe had some sort of hopes in their head. Miguel Angel Lopez two oh eight. Yeah. Remember he capitulated last year on La Planche de Belfi, uh, the final TT. So he doesn't like TTs, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, on the Aussie watch, um, Durbridge Durbo, um, he, he did a solid ride. Yeah. Because you you mentioned it yesterday. This is not in the job discussion to win the time trial. So his job is to stay out of trouble and to be here for his teammates. That that also means not riding the time trial at hundred percent. Yeah, but he, I think he I did mean, because this, he was this, given the green light. But this is not the Olympics. This is no, not. This no. is not the World Championship. No, that's, that's right. What, that's what I mean. Yeah. So he was twentieth on the stage. Um, so he he had a great, he had a good ride, Durbo. And for a guy who's been playing super domestique, mm-hmm. like he's worked he's worked hard for the first four days up till now. Even though. Our cameras don't spot him much in the peloton. He's rallying his teammates, his team leaders, and you know, collecting bins, keeping them out of the wind, riding in the wind. Uh, and I think he's been caught up in one crash at least. Uh, so that was a good ride by Durbo. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, general classification, there's been a, a, a real shake-up. Uh, not at the top, as we say, but Mathieu van der Poel stays in yellow. But Pogacar is sniffing down his neck, oh, basically. He is, uh, yeah. And, and, and then Alaphilippe as well has lost a few places. So there's been a, a, a bit of a reshuffle at the top. So the GC is sort of now taking shape a bit. It is, it is. So you've got, yeah, van der Poel, the Pog at eight seconds. Wow, Van Aert at 30, Alaphilippe at 48. You know who we, we haven't mentioned? Alexei Lutsenko in fifth place now yep. at 121. And uh, you'll be happy about this. Pierre Latour in sixth. Yep. Well, well, Lu- didn't Lu- even mention him in his TT result. He's done a good TT, actually. He's had a great ride. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go down as well, there's other few Frenchies in the top 10. Is there? Yeah, so but we don't want to. <laughs> mate, so don't worry about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, now suddenly the S- top 10 doesn't count. Down. Suddenly the top 10 doesn't <laughs> count, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you can ride inside top All 10. Right. 
All right, it's... David McChicken. I understand. <laughs> oh my god, this may stick. You know? I know. I feel like it's going to. I saw someone in the tweet replied and said, "Just put an MC yeah. in front of it." Um, um, okay, well, that, that was the time trial, and st stay tuned because uh, after uh, we, we will review or preview actually the stage coming up uh, tonight. But we also, and I mentioned this yesterday in Bonjour Le Tour, uh, do a special for Phil Anderson. We want to uh, mark the great man that. Uh, is uh, Phil Anderson uh, so we will replay part of the interview we had with him to celebrate 40 years to the day yesterday uh, since the first non-European claimed the yellow jersey and I know it's something that is quite close to your heart as well oh, as an Australian and as a really young kid uh, 1980 81 you know I was uh, well I was a young boy let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> um, yeah I mean Phil is my hero yeah. still to this so day and we have a special with him and then John Trevorrow as well will uh, talk to us about how he, he saw the growth of someone like uh, Phil Anderson but this is coming up straight after the preview of the stage tonight guess where we're going we're going to Chateauroux and we are expecting that stage uh, a lot because of one man that man is Mark Cavendish? Oh, yeah. And we're expecting it even more now, aren't we? Because he's got a victory under his belt. He's in the green. Can you believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? Mark Cavendish... In a green jersey. ...is in the green jersey with a stage win. The first two days f were for non-sprinters. We've had a time trial. There's been two sprint opportunities, and he's already gone bang. This In, in Mark Cavendish's best years, it took him longer to get his first win. Yeah. This is... This, I am convinced he's totally up for the green. Yeah, okay. And I'm not saying he's, that's his big focus. It's not his focus. Not yet. Not yet. But I am saying he, if, he fizz, if he wants to go for it, well, he, he's just going to go keep nipping away at the sprints, isn't he? Yeah, he's flying. Oh, he has to be. Yeah. Uh, and, and remember why we are picking this one up, because Chateauroux was the place where he first won a stage at the Tour de France and here now he might say no but Mark Cavendish is also here to mark history mm. he knows what he's doing now he's also uh, aging closer to the, the 34 wins of stage wins in the Tour de France of Eddie Merckx he's now on 31 albeit Eddie Merckx was not a sprinter but still uh, Tomo mentioned yesterday in Bonjour Le Tour Eddie Merckx got all the other records yeah. so let, let this one slip to Mark Cavendish yeah. it would be a great celebration of who Mark Cavendish is for the sport yeah yes it would be it's funny I, I'm not big on I guess I am on some but I'm not big on this one and I totally believe that when Cavendish says and, and his peers around him say, look, he's not counting. Really? No, you think, you think I, totally, I totally believe that. Yeah. He'd be happy to take it though. I'd, he'll take it, absolutely. And it will be a celebration. And you're right, it's a, it'll be a great thing that we witness this if, if it, indeed it does happen. But um, he, he's just a racer and he, he just wants to win. He just wants yeah. to win bike races. And, and so it doesn't matter if he stops at 33? No, uh, let's say so. finish the tour here this year, thirty-three. I think it's media-driven, pal. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. No, I really do. I really do. I mean, when you've won that much, you're not like it's. It's funny because I know I know Maddie Keenan uh, compares tennis sometimes because he loves his tennis as you do. Roger Federer absolutely looks at those records, doesn't he? Yeah, all the time. Uh, all the time. I, I and reckon he hits he, it and he says I reckon no. he watches them where well, he looks at them every morning when yeah. he looks. And, and is it, would it be fair to say the other... Uh, um, Nadal. Nadal does and... and and yeah, and, and Djokovic do as well. I think maybe they, because Federer is so obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but we divert into in, tennis here. But that's yeah, cool. <laughs> but I think in cycling, no, I mean, I know, I, I, see, I, see, I see Froome going for five tour wins as a big one. 
that's big because that. But the number so of stage doesn't do. doesn't really matter. No, no, no. Yeah, it's a funny thing. But okay. look, uh, you, look, Cav will take it. Yeah. He will absolutely take it, and uh, he'll. But he can champagne. make his way to thirty-two tonight, mm. uh, and we know, and we repeat it several times here. A happy Cav is a dangerous Cav, mm. but he's very happy now. So he's very dangerous. He's already got his. The pressure's off. Well, he, yeah, exactly. He's already got his stage win. He's already proven. He's worthy of being here this year at the Tour de France. His boss is very happy with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He cannot move except something exceptional. He cannot just move from being this happy to uh, being unhappy. Although it's Mr. Lefebvre, so we never know. And and <laughs> it's and, and and they're in the domain as a sprinter. Yeah. Like and I don't I don't want to. But you know, one mishap tonight, bang, your, your race can be over. But look at it this way: five stages already. Okay, we've got two wins for Dukenik, two wins for. I pass in Phoenix, yep. uh, and then one win for UAE. So they already have a good chunk uh, uh, of the wins this year. They've already, uh, if to, if tomorrow Dukenic Quickstep goes home, they've already complete what they were achieving. They were set to achieve yellow, here. Yellow the jersey, yellow jersey, stage, stage win, win. Uh, and green jersey, and and that so on. So it's, I'm not saying they will, but uh, I'm saying that in their head they're free. Oh, so, yeah. so Mark Cavendish is free in his head, and that is where he is dangerous. And you know what else? You know what else? Forty-eight hours ago, he wasn't even a factor, right, in the heads of his rivals. Yeah. Now he is. Th so now the little seed of doubt against his sprint rivals is there because they're like, he's back. And, and that's funny because he won the stage, and everyone was around him. Everyone from the tour, from everyone from the other teams, high-fiving, yeah, slap yeah, on yeah. the back, da 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 da. I don't think we'll see that tonight if he no, start no. winning again. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> They're going to no. go, and the, and the French audience will turn back on him again. Yeah. <laughs> As we do. <laughs> All right, you've won too much. That's it. We don't like you. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, but this is what's at stake tonight. Yeah, it's it is. It's going to be a sprinter stage. This is what's at stake. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 I think uh, it's really worth staying up for just to see if this unfolds. Every, every stage is. There's always a twist, isn't there? Look, it's a, it's a on paper, it's a, bit of a nothing stage it's a 160 kilometer stage it is pan flat basically um a couple of bumps but not even a king of the mountains so the polka dot jersey uh will stay on the shoulders of Ida Schelling he has done well I yeah. think he deserves just a special mention because there's only a few points in it but he's done it well and he would have looked at the course route in advance and realized if he could get the jersey at this point with the TT with the flat stages with no KOM points he can hold that jersey so so he's got he's got it to the footsteps of the Alps. Yeah, pretty that much. That is a, that is a great effort, and it's something to bring a KOM jersey on the footsteps of the Alps. He knows it's going to be difficult for him to defend it oh, from totally. from this coming this weekend. Yeah, uh, but he's, you're right. He's uh, and he's smiling about it. It's so oh, yeah. so nice to see on the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's it for the 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 review and preview of uh, the stages of this Tour de France this year. But hey, the great man phil anderson well was with us uh, a few months back uh, I yeah. think uh, but we were celebrating already something that has happened yesterday 40 years in since the first yellow jersey uh, just before we play back part of the interview of what we've done uh, a few months back just your opinion here I just touched on, on a little thing but uh, a little bit before but this achievement changed the course of cycling forever it did it was like I'm good a, at building up stuff, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was a shifting of the plates that it, it you know, it, it it was like the tectonic plates were shifted and, and one man did that. Um yes, there were pioneers before Phil Anderson and I always love to mention them as well, but But he's one of them. But he's one of them and he is the one that 
not only just went to Europe and got some okay results, he went there and beat the best in the world. And and this was, you know, 40 years ago yesterday was the start of the career of Phil Anderson. And he became he became a a household name in Europe. Absolutely. You know, he was he was at when, when they had the points ranking. Le Skippy. <laughs> yeah, he was you know, he was this sort of um, everyone wanted to know who is this guy? He's from Australia. Wow. Australia, that's so far away. This is you know, it was way ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's, it's, we can't celebrate it enough. So let's start with a, a part of the interview we had a few months back with Phil Anderson. Can we somehow take your mind back to 1980, you turned professional, you'd already been in Europe in 79 as an amateur, so you turned pro for a French team, Peugeot, you get off the plane. What was that first sort of month like for you? Because bear in mind, in this day and age now, there's mobile phones, there's internet, there's a plethora of expats, including a lot of Australians in Europe. You would have been one of the only Australian professionals then racing and in Europe, period. Probably Alan Piper as well. What was it like? Uh, yeah, well, like you said, my, I was there the year before in, in 79, and that was possibly the icebreaker for me because I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been in Europe, I'd uh, known what it was to be like, you know, living as a, as a serious cyclist in a uh, in a foreign country. But yeah, I was going to meet, it, meet uh, a new bunch of uh, colleagues, workmates. Uh, I knew one of them, I think I knew, actually I knew two of them because I knew uh, Robert Miller and uh, because we'd come through the ACUB together. Philippe, who's now known as Philippe York, and then the other one was Graham Jones, another another Graham Brit. Jones, yeah. yeah, another Brit. So um, yeah, so yeah, I knew those two guys, but other than that, uh, arrived in Paris, and I knew I was only going to be in Paris for a couple of days because we're going to go to a training camp down the south. So, and that's where I'd really uh, get to meet all my teammates. But uh, yeah, pretty daunting. But uh, yeah, the year before it was real. You know, I did, spoke very little. English. I uh, sorry, very little. <laughs> I still don't speak English correctly, but no, very little French. And um, you know, I had no idea really what to expect. It was real. It was a real sort of um, yeah. I was quite anxious about it the first year, the yeah. second year, yeah, stepping up certainly. But that dominance of the the European scene and the French language in the peloton must have, yeah. You say it's a bit daunting, but how was it in the team itself? Because uh, we we both watched the, the documentary uh, Twenty Three Days well, in July. Or? Well, I've watched it numerous <laughs> times. Yeah, I, I steered you, Christophe. To watch it. and you're like, gee, he's he's got some beef, I think, Phil. Careful. So let's set, yeah, let's set this one right here straight. What's wrong with the French? <laughs> no, no, there's uh, nothing wrong with the French, and um, still, you know, my favourite country to ride, and and uh, uh, I got many French friends. I mean, that's what you meant to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're doing well. This is good. This that's is good. good. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was it was yeah. I mean, you're meeting a whole new. Uh, team of riders and I'd had a very good year the year before you know won heaps of races and, and by the end of the year you know I had, had um, quite some respect in the amateur circles because back then of course there was amateurs and pros and, and you know I was suddenly stepping up to uh, into the big pond and um, yeah it's like sort of starting over but having that experience of, of, of living in Paris for a year and you know dealing with teammates and you know a, a peloton in a foreign country 
was um, you know wasn't new, wasn't old. So you know, I was, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it, but I wasn't real. Didn't have any big expectations of um, you know of a career. I was still a, still pretty much a hobby. You know, when I think back to my first Tour de France. Um, you know, I had to uh, shake the tree a bit myself. You know, I was meant to be staying with somebody, and I and I did. Yes. You know, it wasn't like I attacked him or anything like that. But uh, you know, I was meant to be with uh, Jean René Bernardo. Um, but you know, he was having a bad day, and and uh, in the excitement at all of you know reaching the first mountain and in, in in my first Tour de France. I forgot about the instructions. <laughs> I got, and I got with, swept up. You were with I mean, none I, other than Bernardino. Yeah, I yeah. was with the leaders. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, but I remember my director coming up, coming up beside the peloton. You know, this is before radios, of course. You know, <laughs> came up beside the peloton and goes, Philippe, Philippe, uh, hey, here we're Jean-René. Where's Jean-René? You know, and I said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I tweaked. And I told him, oh, look, you know, I can uh, I can rest up a bit. I'm pretty stuffed here. You know, we've gone over bloody three or four climbs already. And, uh, you know, it was quite a bit more serious than going over the Dandenongs. I was pretty stuffed. <laughs> and uh, and he said, no, 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 you stay there. But he said, you come and see me tonight. <laughs> and then by that night, you had the yellow. By that night, I had the yellow, yeah. yeah. So um, Let's go back to that moment when you got the yellow. Okay? Yes. Uh, when did you realize you were going to get the yellow? And what went through your mind? That's, that's such a, I guess, a high peak of, of your career. Yes, yeah, an early peak. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I knew how races worked the day before this particular stage. I think it was, so, yeah, it was on stage five. So stage four, we had a team time trial finish, finishing in Carcassonne. Oh, yeah. So finished on the track there. And uh, our team went pretty well. I think Rally won. And then I think we got second, the, the uh, Peugeot team. And he knows team, the uh, Renault team, uh, they came in, you know, maybe 30 seconds down or 40 seconds down behind us. I don't think it was a particularly long time trial. And so we get to the, uh, we get to the um, mountains the next day uh, and it went finished at a ski resort. And I had no idea, you know, I'd, I'd done a few efforts on Glefferie Road. <laughs> Before you left. That's right. You know, a few, uh, few repetitions. Yeah, a few reps. Had you ridden in the mountains, the Pyrenees or the Alps, uh, before? No. Cause the, no. Like uh, I, to our do. listeners, and I, I guess this is in modern time, but I'm not sure back then, but not too many bike races in France are raced in the Alps or the Pyrenees apart from Tour de France, are they? No. No, normally it's Dolphin A, but I didn't yeah. have to do the Dolphin A. I don't know why, because it was too you hard. Know, I was yeah, too hard. <laughs> no, we'll let him. We'll let him. We'll crack him in the end in the, in the tour. But um, you know, I had had a pretty good year. I won three or four races leading into the Tour de France. That's why they selected me. But um, you know, they didn't put me in the uh, in the A team leading up to it. So yeah, there I was in the uh, start line and. You know, whittled down as we went up, and I was given a um, a blast by the director for not waiting for John on A. I continued, and uh, you know, it's pretty exciting going down those descents. <laughs> um, and then I uh, got to the last climb, and Lucien Van Imp attacked from the bottom. The others looked to me. I mean, there's Crickion, there was a handful of other riders, and they all looked to me. You know, the new kid in the block will let him chase. He's a mm-hmm. newbie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no way. And so, did you? Or no, did you just followed. And no, you know, was there. Yeah. Then, yeah. And then um, I think uh, quickly on attacked. You know, went after him. I stuck to Hino's wheel, and then um, you know, Blairo went straight past uh, quickly on. I stuck on him, and then it was us, just two of us. Of course. Um, Lucent Vanny won the stage. Uh, the Belgian was still up the road. So, uh, yeah, it ended up just Hino and I. And, you know, you go across the line. And I figured I was, yeah, I figured that I was going to be in yellow. I wasn't sure how many seconds behind 
uh, you know, his team had finished in the team time trial, but uh, I figured that I think the bonification on the top of the stage was maybe, you know, the difference between second and third because Hino got second, I got third, was only maybe only five seconds, but I think we, we'd beaten him, so I knew I was going to get the jersey. But I didn't, I didn't realise uh, the consequences of getting a jersey, you know. I'd got the that, jersey that, before in other races, yeah. you know, <laughs> the Peninsula tri- three-day tour, for yeah. example. <laughs> <laughs> but, because I've, I've seen you in several documentaries after that, but you, you mentioned that it's changed your life. Oh, absolutely. When, when now the Tour de France is so international. Back then, I mean, I was an alien. How good is Phil? He's so laid back. He's incredible. Yeah. But the way it's taken into the story, I would just um, entice you to go back and listen to this podcast. I think it was from December last year. Mm. Uh, it's just incredible. And... Remember, you and I, normally the podcast are about half an hour. After an hour, we had to stop him. Rem- but we could yeah. have gone on for another hour. I remember looking at you 45 minutes in thinking, are you going to pull this? And I, I was hoping not because, and I've known Phil, you know, properly for about 20 odd years now. And, um, and I've heard of a lot of his stories, obviously, um, as a kid and then firsthand of him. But I was just like, I don't want this to end. <laughs> it was so good. And he was, it was great because he really got into it as well. And he was sometimes, you know, because Phil is so down to earth, he doesn't necessarily want to talk about his successes. But it wasn't necessarily all the successes either. Just no, a little, life just the little anecdotes. Uh, yeah. And actually, uh, go back and listen, please. Uh, do yourself a favor. And we're not uh, blowing our own trumpet nah, here. It, but was, it was all Phil. And actually blowing uh, the trumpet for Phil Anderson mm. here because Phil was just incredible. And he gave us so much in his podcast, including his first time meeting a certain Lance Armstrong in the yes. back of a bus. <laughs> that story is really incredible. That's yes, really it incredible. is. <laughs> that was almost the best moment. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, uh, go back and listen to this. You know what? Someone that was there and saw a Phil Anderson developing from the amateur scene to the pro scene is John Trevorrow. John Trevorrow is also a legend of Australian cycling. John's been everywhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Every, you know, just just quickly, and John Trevorrow was in Mexico for Eddie Merckx's hour record. I know, he's crazy. It's, he literally has popped up everywhere. John Trevorrow got me my first pro contract. <laughs> he did, this is true. This is, the guy's amazing. He's, yeah. he's so incredible. I was lucky enough to, to uh, catch up with him via Zoom yesterday uh, and we had a quick chat about Phil Anderson. Yeah, well, 1981, and I, it was my last, it turned out, uh, my last year racing in Europe. So I raced a, a couple of races in Belgium with Phil in uh, end of April, early May. And uh, I then went on and raced in the Giro and, and the Tour de Suisse. And I remember coming back and racing other small races in Belgium when the tour started and watching all the highlights. And, oh, look, it, it, it was uh, life-changing for him, but it was also uh, life-changing for a lot of people because, you know, Australians weren't that well-known racing in Europe or well-known on the track, but not so much on the road. And I don't think there was 10 English-speaking guys in the whole European peloton uh, in 1981. So uh, he was the start of a major change with himself and like uh, Sean Kelly, uh, Greg LeMond, Miller, Roach. That that, was the start of a big change. But if you had said to me back then uh, that English would be the voice of the peloton as it is now, I would have said, you're dreaming. Uh, because it's, uh, it, it changed everything, 1981. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm happy about that, but that's a different matter, you know. <laughs> uh, when you look at, at what that changed in terms of the cycling, yes, it changed about, you know, 
I believe I believe he, he he let other people believe it was possible because it's 78 years before that. No other Europe, no no one from outside of Europe has ever won the or wore the yellow jersey. No, no, it's quite amazing, isn't it? I mean, I don't think Phil at the time didn't realise just how big it was, you know, to, to get that yellow jersey. I, I remember uh, they had a function uh, at uh, Lourdes a few years later. It might have been celebrating 20 years from when it won it. And I, I ended up hosting it because the other host got stuck on the mountain and they were coming back down from uh, the Place uh, the, 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 the where, where he won it. And um, I remember him talking about it, how his sports director came up, was yelling at him because he hadn't waited. I can't remember who his leader was, Bernardo, one of those guys, was way back. He said, oh, I'm, you're supposed to be with him. Oh, I'll wait for him. Well, he's five minutes back. Don't worry about it now. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just the way, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't even realise what he was, uh, just how big it was, what he was doing at the time. And do you think uh, it took a bit of time to sink in? Because the, the reception in Australia, will have, if we compare the younger generation, they go Cadell Evans, everyone knows Cadell Evans, and, and the reception Cadell got here once he won the tour. But uh, the, what was the reception here? Do you know? Uh, if, did people talk about it or was it just a few lines in the newspaper? Well, it didn't receive anywhere near the publicity it should have. I was over there, so I can't really comment on what was happening. But, you know, we only used to fight back in the end of the 70s and in the early 80s. You know, you got a magazine uh, a couple of weeks later. The newspapers didn't run much at all. You know, it would have been just a little tiny piece in the Herald Sun uh, that, that Phil Anderson had got the yellow jersey. It wouldn't have received anywhere near the accolades that he, that he should have got. Remembering he was a sensational cyclist. It took a Cadell to knock him off the perch as our greatest ever road cyclist. Um, I remember 1985, he was just amazing. You know, he won the Tour of the Mediterranean. He won the Dauphiné, Tour of Swiss, second in the uh, uh, Tour de Flanders, second in Welbergland, fifth in the Tour de France, fourth in Paris-Nice. I mean, in one season. And he, he probably should, he used to have a, a year-long competition uh, called the... Uh, Grand Pernod, I think it was called back then, which is like a World Cup. And it was only the last race through Lombardi uh, when he was sick. And either, I can't remember who beat him in the end, it was either Le Monde or Kelly, whichever one of them had to win to take it off him. And they won it by uh, 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 just a tyre to take that off him, the, the, the best rider for the year. So, yeah, he was a superstar. And, and when we uh, when we talk about uh, how he's remembered today, uh, do, do you think we do enough to remember the achievement, the sheer achievement of what it was? No, no, we definitely don't, you know. Uh, part of it, because he didn't race much in Australia. So once he turned professional at the end of 1980, the only race he ever raced in Australia, I'll give myself a plug here, was the Bakerits. I got him to ride the Bakerits one year, which was at 1994, and he won a, a fantastic stage in Ocean Grove. And it's the only race he ever raced in Australia from the time he became professional in 1980 till his career finished in 1994, which is probably yeah, a shame because uh, he, he didn't get to do that. And I think it was also a real shame he never got to ride in the Olympics because he would have been in that Olympics in 1980, but he, he turned pro, pro instead. And once 
back in those days, once you turned professional, uh, you you weren't you couldn't ride in the Olympics. So that was a a, a bit of a shame. I know that Phil regrets that. And so, what what can we do? What what could cycling Australia or cycling as it's called now? Or can we all do to remember this? Because uh, we should share history. It's part of uh, of our whole uh, cycling history. Yes, look, he's a pretty uh, you know relaxed uh, uh, sort of guy. Phil, he doesn't yeah. uh, push his own barrow very much. You know what? If you can come up with the right uh, 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 function or idea, I'll be right behind you uh, in it, Christoph. Because uh, um, you know I, I'm his biggest fan. I remember when I first noticed him, uh, I was sort of helping out a young junior named Michael Phillips. Michael was a junior with with Phil, and um, the first time I saw them in a test race, I think uh, uh, Michael just beat Phil, but Phil came up really quick. And then I remember a test race just but to select the Victorian team that was then going to uh, try for that 1978 Commonwealth Games, which he ended up winning. And I was out the back of Warrigal, I was watching the race, and Phil Anderson went alone. It was a real rough day as well, windy and wet. And he went away alone. And in the group chasing were the best of, in Victoria. There was the Sansonetti brothers, uh, a good rope, uh, all of the, the best guys. And they just let Phil dangle at me thinking, we'll let him wear himself out and then we'll just pull him back later. Well, that's not what happened. They let him out there and he just got further and further. Then they started working hard together and they all blew apart. And, and Phil beat them by about five or six minutes. I can't remember. It was amazing. <laughs> and I thought, wow, yeah. this guy is something special. Uh, how was it as a as a rider? Oh, no, he was a fierce competitor. I, I, unfortunately, never got to race with him that much. I raced a couple of races in Belgium with him that year in 81, and that was it, because he'd been avid, I'd been pro, and then I finished. But when you look at the uh, – he won the Dulux Tour. When, he must have been just 19 um, in 1977, um, which is, uh, was one of our great uh, – tours in the region, you know, you got the Sun Tour, the Tour of Tasmania, the Examiner Tour and the Dulux Tour. He won that. but And that Commonwealth Games he won. You know, he crashed in, inside the last, oh, it wasn't that far, I think eight kilometres to go or something. Just got up, dusted himself down, rode straight back up, up to me and, and won it like it was nothing. But uh, no, he was, a, he, he was a very, he was a ferocious competitor. The, the more the more I, I unfold the stories about Philly, it seems to be an incredible time for cycling. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a shame he is so laid back because, uh, in some ways, because he doesn't push his own barrel at all. It was me. Uh, I mean, I'm always pushing my own barrel, and I wasn't in the same class. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, look, we, we, you're dead right. You hit the nail on the head. He's not. He's respected, but he's not recognised for just how uh, good he was. Nearly 100 race wins in Europe. Um, a lot of people thought he would, would win the Tour de France after, on, about after 1985 when he finished fifth because he was twice, I think five times top ten, twice uh, uh, top five. Um, but just the big mountains were just a fraction uh, uh, beyond him, but gee, he was very, very good. So that was John Trevorrow. I think he adds a lot to the uh, to the story of Phil Anderson as well. If he could have, Johnny tomorrow. These are some <laughs> of the nicknames of John. No, he, he's we love him dearly, and John's been such a, you know, he celebrates cycling. That's what John does. He yeah. celebrates cycling oh, he's every day of his cycling. life. Yeah. When you think about the age that he's now, we're not going to yeah. reveal his age, but he's been loving bike uh, since he was probably ten years old or something yeah. like this. Yeah. 
I mean, let's fair to say it's more than fifty years. It's more than sixty years. He's sort he's, of he's sort of uh, what's what's the mafia word? He's he's the godfather yeah. of Australian cycling, I but think. in a good way. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, mostly. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> We're no, just kidding, John. We're John, just kidding. John knows. He knows. I'm just having a little stab. Um, no, no, he is John. That's that is John. You know, he's. Um, and if you want to hear more about John, he's also on the podcast, the Detour podcast. Yes, uh, which is another uh, another podcast that we also recommend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's not only one podcast in the world. There's no, so no, many no. And they, they do a great job of that. And they get some great guests on yeah. too with their contacts. Absolutely. Maka, thank you for joining us today. It was a great podcast. And I love Ooh. that we included Phil as well as, celebra- as a celebration. Yeah, thank you. I'm sitting on the wheel tonight, mate. I'm, on the, I'm, in, I'm just sitting in the middle all so the way to Chateau so we're going for Big Mac or Mac Chicken? <laughs> just, just stop it. <laughs> this was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, tomorrow, same place, same time. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When I walk into the commentary box and Matthew Vanderpool is on the start list, I know I'm going to have some fun. And when it comes to doing an interview, there are none better than Tour de France winner Garant Thomas. Like many of the riders at the Tour, both of them use Zwift as part of their training. They've even done a few races on Zwift, and you can too. There are races for all levels with new events starting every five minutes. And thanks to the massive online community, there's always someone to line up against. Choose from a group ride, a road race, test yourself in an individual time trial, or dive into the Fun Is Fast series across the duration of the TDF for a real mix of events. I've had a lot of fun doing some of the races and gotten a real sense of accomplishment completing some of the Grand Fondos, particularly the long ones. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.